0: This week, I talked to a doula. Wanna learn more about doulas? Go to Horizon Books. That's right, our sponsor, Horizon Books, has been serving the Seattle book-loving community for over 47 years with the best collection of used books in Seattle. Check them out on 10th Street, just near Numos. And if you mention UpZones at the register, you'll get 10% off today, this week, and for the rest of the summer. That's right, our sponsor is Horizon Books, and this is UpZones.
1: You have to elect yourself, baby. Things are changing. Things are changing. You can't say it, but you know it's true. You elect yourself. Things are changing.
0: You elect yourself. You elect yourself. I meant it. This week there's a doula. Jordan Alam is not only um, a fucking thrilled to speak with she put up with me being about 15 minutes late to my own recording studio while i was stuck in in traffic on the 90 coming from the east side why because we don't have enough transit because we're sprawled because we don't have enough density and also i i fucking drive and that's bullshit and i hope not to have to do that for too many more years in the rest of my life but she she put up with it (laughs) she got to the studio before i did Uh, Naboo, the sound guy, was kind of helping her out. Uh, She was just real fun to talk to, had a lot to say about how uh, being a birthing and healthcare professional impacts her art. She is one of Town Hall Seattle's Neighborhood Fellows, which is a really cool idea. I think you should check them out if you have the opportunity, just see what they're doing in, in all the neighborhoods across Seattle, or anyway, in many of them but we had a chance to talk this this interview is actually from gosh uh, about 8 weeks ago now we we've we don't always get to run interviews the second they're done um but i wanted everyone to hear what jordan's doing just hear from her i think she's a really important voice a really important person to be speaking about seattle issues and you know we like to do that it, it, you know it, there's not much to say um uh, with respect to some of the national stuff that's going on, we all are feeling it in our own way. And I, I spoke to this last week. We just have to keep kind of doing what we're doing. And I think giving a, a a platform to folks like Jordan who represent healing from traumatic experiences, especially for folks of color, which is her specialty, you know, I, I think that's going to be one of the ways that we take this down, not just as a knee-jerk reaction to whatever... The fucking guy in the White House does next, but as a long-term sustainable solution. And then uh, you'll note that at at the end, uh, the very last, we we had a visit from resident wise man slash wise ass, Doug Abbott. He came with an out-of-the-box political idea. You know, we have Doug in every couple months just to pop in and and say, hey, and I I think he's really developing a, a skill as one of our best. Uh, voices in Seattle for Utter Nonsense. I uh, hope you like it as much as I did and make sure you listen through to the end. First, Jordan. Thanks for coming.
1: Yeah.
2: I really appreciate thank you it. you
0: having me. You have a show that you, when this airs, you will have just done.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Can you tell the listeners a little bit about that because I think that's a good way to set up kind of totally just to get us into the conversation
1: great yeah so this event is the second in the series about how the body holds its stories that's the kind of uniting theme and mm-hmm. the first one we had Nick Masankai and Neve Mazik if you know either of those artists but they're lovely um Music producer and dancer uses a wheelchair, both um, just really like powerful body stories around survivorship and around kind of like relating to your own body. The second one is with Imani Sims and Tani Keda. Tani is an amazing Emmy award-winning filmmaker, Mm -hmm. and um, Imani is a spoken word poet that is doing some really amazing stuff. I've seen her do ritual performance on stage and just like amazing She does everything
0: from like tarot to... She's doing a curation and a meal at yes. the Sam. Yeah. Like that was actually mm-hmm. this week now. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you where'd you grow up?
1: I grew up in Seattle. I grew up actually on the east side where you came from today.
0: Oh so. <laughs> commuter, don't tell anybody.
1: <laughs>
0: um. Yeah. Be- Bellevue area. Or?
1: Well, I lived on the Bellevue Redmond border near Interlake High School, yeah, okay. um, which is a very different Bellevue than what people think of when they think of Bellevue. So right, yeah. mm-hmm.
0: it's a little more Redmond than Bellevue. I would
1: say so, and also when I was growing up there 20 years ago, very different demographics of folks. So yeah,
0: uh, tell me more. What, what do you mean by that?
1: I would say that also, like Bellevue, just in general, Bellevue Redmond area is, is like split between East Bellevue being like the mall and like the high rises and the very like Disneyland. corporate exp- Yes, yeah. yeah. That kind of space versus, like, this much more neighborhoody, primarily contract workers for tech companies, you know, middle class, lower middle class apartments, mm-hmm. dumpy Crossroads Mall, which is now kind of a little fancy, oh, which is yeah. weird, well, but... Uh, isn't
0: that a weird feeling when you go back to your hometown yeah. and the mall's nice? Yes. That's that's yeah. my hometown oh, my experience back in New York. I'm like, well, this is supposed to be the <laughs> <Yeah>. shitty mall.
1: <laughs> We're in New York.
0: I grew up. Well, I was born in in the city, mm-hmm. uh, but mostly yeah. I'm not going to rep that because I moved early. Uh, I was mostly grew up in a suburb of Brooklyn yeah. called Brentwood. Okay. Predominantly Latino, like also blue collar, yeah. you know. And uh, there's parts of that kind of area where I grew up, like that, that are taking off because everything yeah. in New York is just like Seattle, yeah. whatever. But then there's parts where it's actually worse than it's ever been in terms yeah. of like uh, property values, crime right. levels, like everything. So it's it's a mm-hmm. really weird. Yeah state of change yeah but maybe all the cities are in a state of change right now
1: that's kind of what i'm experiencing no one that i've ever talked to has been like oh yeah you know my place is exactly the same as it right. was 15 years right. ago or whatever yeah Interesting. and it's interesting too because like i uh went to college in new york actually um uh-huh. and i didn't have the emotional connection to the way that gentrification impacted that space but when i came home after college it was like I had this time capsule image of what Seattle yeah. area was going to be like, and I was like, "Oh, I'm oh, struck by yeah. this." Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like a really different feeling to see your own spaces change right. as opposed to like.
0: I think culturally, is, yeah. there's New York doesn't. I'll say this very delicately. Being at this point in my life, I feel equally from both places. Yeah, um, I, I feel like culturally, New York doesn't hold on to. New York expects change in a way that I think Seattle's starting to go. Oh.
1: Yeah. Oh, like yeah. Th-
0: this is life now, but I don't yeah. think culturally that was a value of Seattleites. No, prior to we're maybe 2000s. We're a small city.
1: Yeah. We're not. Yeah. Not for <laughs> love. <long. laughs> I know. Now it's very strange because yeah. I can't get that image out of my head that we're like just barely more than a town. You know? Yeah. Like it's yeah. a very odd thing. Right.
0: Right. We're yeah. cooler than Portland, but we're but now it's yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just don't become San Francisco,
1: basically. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're on the trajectory. Yeah. So. Um,
0: well, with that in mind, uh, so you grew up here and mm-hmm. you are now uh, you know, a Town Hall Fellow yeah. for the Columbus City Neighborhood. Yes, yeah. C- can you connect those two for me? Because I see, I have this intrinsic feeling in my in my heart of change yeah. and how um, the arts are speaking to the change. And there's complicated stuff. There's people who just stand up and try to rail against the wave and... They're less mm-hmm. interesting to me, but but the people who really explore mm-hmm. the change are the most interesting yeah. to me. So how did that come about for you, the fellowship and what you're doing?
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting because I think there's this median space, right, where you do not necessarily want to see yourself as a gentrifier, but you are. Like, that's yeah. how I in, sure. am impacting that space in mm-hmm. some ways, because where could I get an apartment? It was a foot race to get an apartment, and then I invested in that space. I've been there for two years, but I haven't been there for like the length of time folks right. who have invested in homes there right. and whole lives there have, right. you know? So how does one responsibly know that they're part of that wave, like you're saying, and interact with it. Yeah. And in it a also, complicated yeah. And, and
0: delicate and nuanced. Yeah. Way. Yeah.
1: And so I think like for me, I took the opportunity of, um, town, this town hall residency, knowing that I'm situated in place, really connected to this neighborhood and really connected to, Like the time that I've been there and also wanting to respect the stories that are kind of already there and Mm -hmm. being moved further south or not being represented as well. And so trying to source artists that have like a little more depthful roots or that, you know, kind of and the format of the performances even is like a performance and then a community workshop, like a writing workshop at Hillman City Collaboratory. So that, you know involves a little bit of a different thing um hopefully inviting community in to be part of an artistic process rather than being you know just on stage like in the space talked at or something yes, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. right
0: that's very interesting and um h- how did you come to the fellowship like what what's mm-hmm. the process like for
1: that yeah um i heard about it the day that the application was due (laughs) and I
0: just hashtag artist
1: (laughs) yeah I was like wait I gotta do this so I um the only reason that it worked is because I had this um building story in kind of my work and in my mind already so yeah (laughs) I was just uh (laughs) Like the only reason I could do the application was because I was thinking about doing performance work.
0: This is the dog. Yes. Piece. I, hear, I see. Kanye makes appearances on many episodes. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Weaves his way between our legs.
1: Yeah. Um. What was I saying? Oh, yeah. It was just like. Um. Particularly because my work is so invested in like how bodies are impacted. Um, oh, with, by as a doula, trauma. and yeah, you know, and, and we'll
0: speak mm-hmm. to that a little bit. I'm, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious, uh, Newell, since you bring it up. So first of all, mm-hmm. what's the path there? I don't. I, I of course most mm-hmm. of, uh, I most of our listeners would probably know what that is, but can yeah. you talk about that a little bit? Like, how does one become one? How do you and feel it a doula, differs? Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. and how do you feel it? Um, it is a different path than uh, Western just kind of birth medicine and then also, yeah. or, or family medicine. And then yeah. also, how does that impact the art?
1: Yeah, it's all kind of, to me, it's really interconnected. But I'll start with your first question, Yeah, which is that I think doulas are a professionalization of something that's really old, Sure. which is just, you know, people attending births as, you know, your sister or your mother or your partner or, you know, People who are in um, communal societies just having people around them during that birth moment. Mm -hmm. And actually, what we do in sort of hospital birth settings is separate people from their community a lot of times because there are limitations on how many people you can bring in a room and you're surrounded by machines so you can't be touched. And some, you know, there's a lot of like different things. Partners are
0: often, well, maybe not as much anymore, but in the recent history, partners were left out in the waiting room. Yes. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a very valid,
1: uh, yeah. Way to interpret like it, yeah. Twilight sleep and like all these other medications yeah. and yeah. all of these pieces that are trying to get through that space. So we see our role as kind of, you know, bringing back something old. I have tension with the professionalization of it where it's like, I think it's great that people can make a living off of this and that it also is a direct entry kind of profession compared to something that takes years and years of schooling to reach out. Mm-hmm. Um, And yet I also see it as like, everyone should have access to this and it shouldn't be such like this concierge service market, Um, which is kind of where people are making a lot of money off of it. Interesting. Okay. So I was going to say, I bring that up because I work as a doula in two ways, which is that I have my business, but I also work as a program coordinator for a free of cost doula service called open arms, perinatal services. And like, we are primarily working with people of color and communities and, you know, like birthing folks that come from specific ethnic communities specific language groups whatnot mm-hmm. who have doulas in the in their communities that they come from but wouldn't identify that word as being the okay thing that they're getting yeah.
0: you know and it may not be you know a, a professionalized yes but, but what i was going to mm-hmm. get at was and, and allow me to be the neoliberal here in the conversation sure. for a second is is in this Economy, Mm -hmm. and I'm using the word economy extremely broadly in this exchange of information, goods, services, Mm -hmm. money, activities, right? Yeah. Um, Sometimes you need to know. The bar exam helps you uh, distinguish the fraudsters from a lawyer who can actually help you, right? So isn't there like a role for that professionalization in the sense of like, we've got so much information coming at us, at least we can now know Mm. you're not a huckster or you're, you know...
1: I can see that but I think that the way that like certification is so prized sometimes amongst white doulas, mm-hmm. and it denies a lot of the like more traditional knowledges because it's set in a curriculum set by someone else. Mm-hmm. So it denies a lot of the more traditional medicine practices that you might bring into doula work if you're coming from a more traditional community. And so I can see, because I think that in a, like a Western viewpoint discredits those things initially and inherently. It's like, you haven't proven that this is a helpful thing, right. so therefore, but yeah. often later on, we find out studies have been done and then they do prove that it right. works. So right. and then you've in that yeah. in that
0: intervening time now how many yeah duels of color I guess is a good yeah. way to say it or or just like sort of non Western whatever you know yeah uh, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be necessarily racialized but it but it's certainly like ethnic you know yeah uh, and then they don't
1: get to access those things that right. they might need and right. and that's what's challenging for me is like I think it is real that we need to say you know there's a process by which we separate people who are gonna cheat you out of your things and also i think there's a way to like respect multiple traditions of course in space. yeah so, that's really
0: yeah. that's really deep that's really mm-hmm. valid it's a great way to think about it so now yeah. tying it back so so you're a doula you're a town hall fellow artist mm-hmm. yeah. right how did those two connect and, and and what what was the aha moment in like you know mm-hmm. uh, yeah. over your laptop or over a notebook or what what yeah. made you go mm, i this is connected
1: i think for me like especially as a writer, you know, that's the kind of nexus point for most of my things is that I see myself as working at moments of transition and transformation in people's lives. Um, So birth, you know, (laughs) huge transition, huge transformation, (laughs) huge moment. For everyone. Yeah. But I'm also thinking about moments like sexual assault or Mm. domestic violence or escaping an abusive partner because I used to work in domestic violence response and those kind of places too, and also have a personal history of survivorship. Mm -hmm. So To me, my writing and art has been focused on those transitional and transformational moments. Mm -hmm. And I don't see a separation of like how important it is to tell those stories, you know, to uplift those stories. It's just
0: it's (laughs) I think the dog's going crazy. (laughs) Just when you're making a great point. Uh so when you say separation, you mean that you're sort of living it if you're doing it or you're living it if you're writing about it. So at the end yeah. of the day, it's really just two modalities of the same experience.
1: Mm-hmm. And to sometimes make sense of experiences, too. I don't know if you've ever been to a birth, um, but. No. Yeah. <laughs> no so much happens in such a short period of time <laughs> like you know and short meaning like it can be between 4 hours and 36 hours you know i've attended 32 hours it's all hours short in the like humans that. in the yeah. human scale yeah but like phew, how much happens how much emotional space you have to hold all that kind of stuff right so understanding how much technical
0: expertise you probably have to have Mm -hmm. not technical like a tool but yeah just at the the craft of Mm -hmm. of doing the work
1: and of noticing yeah right yeah right
0: i mean that that's the same that's uh so spoken word poetry that's how i know a lot i mean that's the roots that we you know Mm -hmm. she's a she's a, a doyen but but uh we're in that same. Yeah. And when you're mm-hmm. up there for three minutes, you'll notice yeah. as a poet who's, you know, now for many years myself and been at it.
1: Yeah.
0: When you drop a line or you'll notice when you paused exactly right. Yeah. Before you yeah. say the punchline or whatever. Yes. Yeah. I think of like football, you know, I, um, my brother was uh, much larger physically than I, mm-hmm. I am. And so football, basketball. Yeah. And you have uh, 22 people on a football field mm-hmm. and in nine seconds, 12 seconds. Each of them is doing something. Is there actually only the coach even has any idea what's Mm -hmm. going on? Right. Everyone else just watches the ball. Right.
1: Ah, Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: So I feel like in these, like, there are these moments that are like very um, intricate. Yes. And uh, involve you know multiple people, whether even if it's a performance audience or Mm -hmm. or football, birth, right, whatever. That it really does take a lot of intuition. Yes. Technical expertise, experience, but also just like you said, I think paying attention, deep focus. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And I, now I see what you mean, because you can write a thousand word article about a, one play in football. Yeah. So yeah. it's the same mm-hmm. about a birth or...
1: I Yes, I totally feel that. And actually, that's a really apt kind of comparison, too, because I was at an audition recently and I noticed just how different like my piece ended up being because I was just a little more nervous to perform for judges as opposed to an audience. Oh. An audience you can kind of dismiss because you're like either they don't know you or they're like your friends and they're on your side. Right. But a panel of judges is intentionally there to judge your right. work, right? right? So I was like, oh shit, I like messed this lineup. I didn't say this. I'm pausing here, that kind of thing. And I stopped myself and they were like, oh, you're at the six minute mark. And I had 10 minutes to perform, right? Mm-hmm. And I had felt like it had been so long and so stretched out, that kind of thing. And the reason I say that is because it's like this very thin slice of time, you know, a six minute period or a two day period at a birth becomes this like much larger thing. Because. This presence. Wouldn't you
0: say it's because you're living each of the moments? Yeah. Much more thoroughly because of all the detail and all of the, you know, all of, as you say uh, just earlier, all the space you're holding. Yeah. So so each moment gets, like, a depth to it. Yeah. So then all of a sudden you're like, oh, that was six minutes. That felt like, mm-hmm. you know, 20. Yes.
1: Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That's really, really, really real. And some, one of the things I've noticed is that inexperienced spoken word poets always go over time. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they're not paying that kind of attention yeah. to each of their details. Yeah.
1: It's an addictive kind of thing because I think most of the time outside of my birth work, and I talk to other doulas about this, is like, I don't feel that present you know like i'm trying to rush to get here or i'm like stuck in traffic yeah i'm sending 15 emails or i'm like i like i need to just do this right we don't get so many moments for presence like that
0: so speaking then to the writing about it Mm -hmm. right taking that moment that's deeper yeah it has all those details and um turning a a sequence of notes into like a single harmonic moment you know what i mean Mm -hmm. or actually maybe it's the reverse right just de- deconstructing de- a harmonic yes, moment yeah. and turning it into a sequence yeah. of notes, right?
1: So, it's so, like a building up as opposed to a breaking yeah, down. Yeah, breaking and, down, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: So so how, how does that work for you? Like, what's your process when you're mm-hmm. trying to get it on paper and then get it out?
1: I really am a fan of timers. I'm a really, like, intense generative writer. I'm not as disciplined about editing, but mm-hmm. to say, especially in the workshops that I do, I just like to make people do, like, a little physical exercise uh-huh. and then set a timer, give them a prompt, and just run at it. Uh-huh. Um, one of my favorite things is like the accordion exercise, um, which is that you write something, you know, maybe like a four-minute exercise, really short, quick, and then you take that for another 15 minutes, and you try to expand it as to its fullest extent, like expanding an accordion.
0: Rewrite it yeah. in longer mm-hmm. and, and deeper. And then
1: return to that, take even another 10, 15 minutes, and cut it down to its most important elements.
0: Wow, Yeah, so, I'm gonna try
1: that. Yeah, it's really, it's like a lovely exercise. Yeah. Um, I do it a lot with dialogue actually. Mm-hmm. I just like write out um, whether it's verbatim dialogue that I'm remembering, or if it's like characters speaking to one another. And then I put in between, what are they exactly doing at that moment? Where are they? What you know messages are they receiving from other spaces? Is it a coffee shop? Is it somewhere else? Um, positioning them in space mm-hmm. um, and time. And then usually what I have to edit back to is what are the relevant details of space and time, or the relevant conversation points. And
0: what has that um, that rich, that kind of literary richness, I mean, just in terms of there is something special about when five to ten words have so much meaning.
1: Yes. Which is
0: infused by this longer. Mm -hmm. I've never heard it called the accordion, but Mm -hmm. bringing it out, getting all that meaning back into a small amount of words.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And our friend Imani is is the master of that. Yeah, Yeah.
1: no, I love it a lot.
0: So what do you got coming up?
1: Hmm. Um, Well, I'm going to grad school over the summer, so that'll be great. I'm road tripping to Smith College in Massachusetts. Smith College. okay. Um, I'm going for social work school. And then I'll be back in the fall and I'll be back at my doula work and hoping to do more performance events. One of the things that's coming up is going to be a South Asian Writers Reading with Kundiman Northwest, which I'm a co-chair of, and it's going to be at Hugo House on the 27th of September.
0: Okay, great. So we like to end every show with a segment we call, If You Care About, mm-hmm. You Should. Fill in the blanks.
1: Yeah. If you care about being more present in your own life, you have to believe that you deserve care and rest every single day.
0: Wow, that's great. Mm-hmm. And I hope that we can, you know, uh, that the listeners can see that in your art and, and yeah. just in, hey, if they need doula, right?
1: Yes. All mm-hmm. right.
0: Uh, Jordan Alum, thank you so much. Thank you. Come on back soon.
1: Thanks. Take okay. care.
0: Uh, hey man, what's going on? Oh, not too much. How you been? I've <laughs> been pretty good. It's good to have you back. Uh, you had the honor of following the managing editor of Field Goals. And so I have like the third most listened to episode of this entire series.
2: That's excellent. I'm glad I could contribute <laughs> nothing to those people
0: listening. Small celebrity you've got here. <laughs> um, so I, I'm told by your PR people that you have an out of the box political idea.
2: Yes. So sometimes I just think about this stuff and, you know, I don't really know a ton about politics, but luckily you do. So I kind of just want to run some stuff by you. All right, let's go. What do you got? All right, so I need to do a little explaining first, Uh, so I'm just going to go on a quick monologue. So I kind of feel like now that we as a society live in two realities, one for the left and one for the right, Mm -hmm. agreed.
0: More or less, yeah.
2: Obviously, there's less facts getting through. It's interesting to see what does get through to both sides. And what I think does get through to both left and right is these kind of like slogan catchphrase kind of gimmicky type of things like fake news right and crooked hillary yeah. and stuff like that you know and i think i think trump's been you know he's a marketer so he's been the one right. kind of pushing these things but i think in general Republicans have done a better job than Democrats with these little slogans, phrases, naming stuff Bumper like stickers, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, the Freedom Caucus right. is a horrible group of people, but <laughs> it's, it's a great, great name. good name, right? Yeah. Like you can't <laughs> well, say death it's not tax. A good name. Everybody
0: knows death right. tax. The it's death not tax. a that you don't get the person inheriting the money pays the tax. You right. don't get a tax for dying. Yes.
2: Yeah, exactly. Right. So it's like stuff like this and, mm. you know, the Sometimes they're able to do this because they're making stuff up. But, you know, this is kind of like the world we're in now. So I feel like these are kind of things that get through to, to all people, right? Sure. So that's point one. The other thing that's totally unrelated, but I've been thinking a lot about, is it's surprising to me the the far right support of Trump. The thing that surprises me the most about it is, you know... They're all supposed to be like, oh, we're tough. We like guns. No handouts. Like you know, yeah. everything's too PC, right? Right. Now, I think in in all of our lives, whether it's like work or family, friends, there's nothing worse than someone who constantly complains and thinks the world's out to get them. Right. Right. Like yeah. I think that's generally one of the most disliked qualities of yeah. Person just suck it up have. and
0: own yourself, man. Own your life. Right.
2: Right. So yeah. I've I've. I've been really I I haven't been able to kind of square those two things because, you know, no one complains more than Trump about like things are unfair to him. And he's a rich guy, like a born rich guy. Like that's so much worse. (laughs) So that's always like I I just haven't really been able to figure that out. So my idea. uh, OK, drumroll, please. (laughs) Yes. So my idea is that everyone who is against what the Trump administration is doing, whether that be. Citizens, the press, other politicians, whatever, exclusively refer to Donald Trump going forward as President Crybaby.
0: (laughs) That's the whole idea. That's the whole idea. That changes the future of America.
2: That certainly does not change the future of America. (laughs) And I don't think there is one thing that will change the future of America. But I do think that when we try to come with facts the other side of the aisle is able to just ignore them.
0: It's postmodernism. Yeah. My subjective experience is different than yours. Yeah. And
2: they'll just be like fake news, fake news, fake news. And I don't think it ever, it it never goes past like into the head processing zone. Right. 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 But, but I think something like, everyone on tv and and you know like fox news and everyone is gonna cover whoever calls him president crybaby right Right, like you know that's gonna be a story like for everyone
0: and you think that can be like a booby trap where it actually almost goes viral yeah
2: and i think the more the more people say it Mm -hmm. the the more it'll kind of i'm fine with
0: it as long as you call him president
2: yeah <laughs> president President crybaby let's go yeah president crybaby and i think it's great because it's like you know exactly who you're referring to yeah. with president crybaby <laughs> like no one's gonna say that was obama yeah right <laughs> or right? Even,
0: even bush wasn't a crybaby no yeah. no
2: certainly yeah. not like yeah. we know who president crybaby is i love it man so so ian i'll ask you yes Will will the upzone podcast take the name president <laughs> done. crybaby
0: done president crybaby from here on out excellent <laughs> yes thanks excellent. man awesome all right talk to you soon
2: cool thanks man
0: that was writer editor educator and doula Jordan Alam check her out at jordanalam.com for all four aspects of her service to the Seattle community all music in this week's episode by the subcons dope opening poem sample Anthony McPherson sound engineering thanks to Naboo This, as always, has been a Cascadia Underground production. And I am your host, Ian Martinez. See you next week.